Welcome to the podcast series by Great Place to Work, ASEAN and ANZ. This is where we dive into the world of current workplace issues, bringing you stories from leaders of best workplaces in Singapore. And joining us today is Clara Liao, Chief Operating Officer and General Counsel at White Coat. Welcome, Clara. Could you introduce yourself? Thank you very much um, for inviting me on this podcast. I am Clara and I come from a company called White Coat. It is a fast-growing digital healthcare company in the Southeast Asian region. The company was founded on the belief that everyone has the right place to have access to affordable, convenient and high-quality healthcare services. And we are here to create a diverse and inclusive workplace that cultivates a collaborative environment and culture that our people can strive and grow in as we continue to scale in Southeast Asia. Thank you. Thanks, Clara, for joining us. You know, Clara, I must tell you that I have used White Coat Services. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I um, let's see. That was about perhaps three months back. I was really, really sick. I was in bed the whole day. And it. I, I don't typically stay in bed the whole day. And um, I was too sick to bring myself to my regular GP. So I used, I downloaded your app, um, you know, made it, uh, registered myself and saw your doctor and everything from start to end was totally seamless, um, except that I got my medicine the next morning because you were really full. But it was such a pleasant experience. So kudos and thank you all for innovating the way of how um, you know, medical consultations can be made. And I thought that was very, 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 uh, very innovative. And the week after my daughter was sick and we used the same services and it was seamless. So kudos to the team. Thank you so much. I'm so sorry to hear that this bug has been trapped <laughs> in your family, but I would love to say that White Coat was created precisely for users like yourself, people who are busy, who may not always have the time to go to the clinic to see a doctor. Yeah. And that was why we wanted to look into the user journey and see how um, the healthcare journey can be better for all of Singaporeans and everyone in Southeast Asia. Yeah. So this is really where it picked my interest. Could you maybe share with us a little bit more um, on the on the company's journey, right? How old are you? Uh, what What is the motivation behind how the business was started? What was the business model? And give us some juicy stories behind, you know, the founding journey. Sure, I would love to. So White Coat was actually created and founded sometime in 2018. And the idea was really to become the region's first and single touch point for all healthcare needs from primary to specialist and allied healthcare. You've been a patient before and so your daughter as well. I too. And what we realise is there isn't a one-stop shop where we are able to go and look for all our healthcare needs. So our founder, Brian, actually saw and experienced the pain points that patients and consumers had when seeking medical help. I'm very sure a lot of us can relate to not having the time or the energy totally. to physically seek the treatment. The last thing I want when I'm really down with a bug is to sit in the clinic full of other sick people and just feel really miserable. So I, you are totally right in that. I'm glad you resonate. And that was really what acted as a catalyst to spur more discussion about bringing together a 
fragmented healthcare industry to create a market-first digital healthcare platform that provides comprehensive and convenient access to all healthcare needs. So with that, White Coat was born. Yeah, and it's, it's quite amazing because you say you started in 2018 and this is what, just five years on. Uh, in, this part, in the midst of this five years, there is the pandemic that happened, right? But for you to scale and to grow, um, to 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 where you are today, that is quite a journey. So it must have been a very very um, intense five years for the team. Absolutely, we were motivated by alleviating these pain points and reducing the stresses on the physical healthcare infrastructure, especially during COVID. And we really saw that exponential growth in the last five years. Mm. So locally, um, we really have devised a digital platform that provides seamless end-to-end services, like you shared, from being able to see a doctor online to delivering medications right to your doorstep. And And in that process, it's been a meaningful one where we have formed many valued partnerships, including AIA, our insurer partner, and also co-created and pushed for many initiatives such as ThinkWell, our mental wellness service. And that has really generated um, user growth through all our offerings. I'm glad that our efforts have gained recognition. In fact, um, we recently attained one of the top startup awards by ACE um, as one of the top 10 best startups based in Singapore. Yeah. And I must say, if I could add to the accolade, you know, um, White Coat, you were ranked number three in our very inaugural Singapore healthcare and biopharma list that was released this year. And last year on our National Singapore Best Workplaces list, White Coat was placed at number 15. So this is really an achievement for a five-year-old company uh, where you have gone through a lot of challenges. So actually, we started out as a small startup with probably five employees all in a all in a small room okay and how how big you are how big are you today and we have already 120 people across markets such as singapore indonesia vietnam Mm. and even malaysia so to us there has been a huge um, growth in our headcount yeah and as you can imagine during covid we weren't even able to interact with each other So I think a lot of the challenges or the stories behind our growth comes from really trying to adjust from an almost remote first environment in COVID where people didn't really know each other. And how do we emerge as a team that is stronger? Um, I would say that our successes when it comes to our company journey would not be possible without the staff that have really been the one um, that has been building our company from the ground up. And that's something we want to really uh, dig into to gain the wisdom and all. So Clara, you know, um, we deployed a Great Place to Work survey to your people and based on your survey scores, we had 92% of your employees say that you are a great place to work. 92%. You are small, you are growing, you are young. Now, this is a fit, right? The fact is that in Singapore, um, many a times, the typical, stereotypical view of Singaporean SMEs are that the focus is on operations, the focus is on scaling, the focus is on making money, right? But in your short five years, you have obviously focused on growing, scaling, making money. Um, But you have also at the same time must have placed focus on people and culture in order to be able to get 92% of your people say you are a great place to work. I'm really curious, 
Why would you, Brian, the leadership team, place priority on culture? Because this is not a typical startup journey. The typical startup mentality is focus on scaling, on breaking even, or making cash flow break even, right? Why, why the priority? I think it takes me back to the juicy stories yes. that you were talking about. And when we were a five-man team, we did everything from operations to marketing oh, to I, product. I know that, everything. And that was when we realized that actually it's not mutually exclusive mm. um, to have company goals alongside cultural goals. It's one and the same. It is precisely having a strong culture of a, and a good team that will help you derive the economic um, ROI and outcomes that every business would have to hit. And I think precisely because we were such a small team, but we were so um, connected in mm. our mission and we had such a good culture that we were actually able to achieve things that really um, the odds were against us. Yeah. The truth and the fact of the matter is that when we look at the startup world, nine out of 10 would not I succeed. I want to say that. That's right. Yeah, the failure rate is really high. And that was when I when I was thinking about how we conceptualized the app together, refined its functions, communicated with stakeholders, and even built up over 3,000 strong network of healthcare professionals. I asked myself, how did we do that? And I would say that it, Nothing changes the fact that I, I think it's because we had a tight knit group of staff that was really the backbone of our company. Mm. So in less than five years, as we talked about it earlier, White Coat has grown phenomenally. You are now in Singapore, in Indonesia and Vietnam. That's and you've correct. got plans to expand into new markets like Thailand and Malaysia. Could you share with us the lessons that you have learned when you make workplace culture a priority? I am sure it's no walk in the park, right? How many employees did you have now? And in this in this five years journey, what were some challenges that you faced? So you established the importance of culture, but when you established that, when you actually operationalized that, you must have faced difficulties. What were those difficulties, and how did you um, how do you overcome them? Oh, for sure. I think when we think about successful startups. Um, cross-collaboration across different functions and teams is a huge thing. But when we first started out and had to transition to remote work, most of us were definitely not used to that. Um, however, with the right tools, the clear communication channels and open minds, we were able to overcome this and thrive, kickstarting our company and positively impacting the community during this difficult time. But again, when we expanded to other countries, this obstacle was again inevitable, mm. and, but navigating the process is definitely one that has been rewarding. So when it comes to overcoming some of these frictional points, I think it's important to emphasize and reverse um, or, or rather to educate our staff that um, doesn't mean that a person texts in a certain way or using communicators in certain forms. Um, we must recognize that different cultures have what I say, high touch and low touch mm. components. Mm. So certain cultures will read 
very much into a, a one-liner and text yeah, yeah. and think that, okay, this person doesn't really like me. How can I collaborate with that person? Yeah. And so I think it's about reversing that, creating awareness okay. that, look, we are in a remote-first environment. Yeah. Now, thankfully, it's no longer the case and we get to work with each other in person a little bit more. But it's to also share with the team to be more mindful about how we communicate and what are the different cultural norms that okay. each of our regional markets are used to mm. so that we can ensure that we don't create um, subconscious bias even before we start working together. Oh, I love that. You know, um, I want to take that and just really pare it down. So when you say that you communicate, so what I'm hearing you say is that you are going down to even very day-to-day interactions and breaking it down and teaching people to not misinterpret or impute meaning more than what it should be to text, to communication. So there is that very much, um, how would I say, very hands-on support and guidance that that the business has, has, has provided to your teams. We are on a journey of trying to figure out what exactly do we uh, focus on. Mm. And what we realise is that cross-collaboration is a really big part of our work and has contributed to our success. So when we think about cross-collaboration, it's all about people um, collaborating together. So as part of our journey of figuring out what works for ourselves, we discovered um, this um, software or this tool called Fingerprints for Success. I was just about to ask, could you share with us some tools? Because I'm sure our listeners want to know practically what are some programs or tools or software that you use that we could bring back to our own workplace. So Fingerprints for Success, um, at first I was wondering to myself, really, do I want to answer a personality test with 40 over questions that almost seem so repetitive? But essentially what um, the questionnaire was intended to do was to give us a personal sense as to where we stood in terms of how do we like to communicate? Mm. How do we receive and how do we learn? Um, What are we prone to? Are we prone based on our functions to act first or to ponder later? Do we focus more on processes or do we focus on um, as compared to processes concept? And what we realised or what this tool was very useful for is that we could match ourselves to different colleagues. Mm. So as my own personal example, um, I I personally head up operations in in White Coat and I realised all my my operational staff loved working working processes and working by myself, working by By themselves. themselves. They love solo environments. They learn best by looking at a long SOP (laughs) and not talking to people. That's their language. (laughs) That's their love language, not talking to people. But what we realised is as we scale in the company and more people started to join, newcomers didn't really understand that. Mm. They interpreted it as, oh, I perhaps don't feel welcomed in the team because they may not really want to talk to me. Mm. So what this tool was really good at was when they matched, it was non-personal. It was a way for them to figure out that the way they interacted was not personal and they they shouldn't feel personally attacked. Mm. That there was a reason to things and that perhaps could have been explained by their job function. And for my operational colleagues, they then realised, okay, I may not realise that I actually am very unwelcoming to a newcomer who is here to find friends on my first day of work. So what it allowed us to do is to really moderate how we would typically interact, put ourselves out of that comfort zone and see how then we can 
build a more diverse and inclusive organization. That's such a great story, Clara. So I'm hearing that, uh, you know, sometimes it's not so complicated. It is really about getting to know the individual, communicating more and not take things personally, but it needed a tool like fingerprints for success uh, in, in your case to help us understand the different personalities and preference and working style and communication style. Exactly. So one of the things that we learned together through that process is that um, in order to collaborate, communication is key. Yeah. And different people like to communicate in different ways. That's right. So if you are a texter and all your life you're so used to using luck and putting out your instructions, mm. actually a person who likes face-to-face -face communication yeah. and enjoys being in an environment where there's a lot of discussion, mm. they may not be able to collaborate in the manner that they are used to. Yeah. So things like that is all about compromise and bridging, but knowing what exactly um, do you need to do. Yeah. So yeah. it was a way to say that before we started out collaboration meetings or new cross-function meetings, we would have a kickoff. Mm. And I'll say, okay, from my results, I kind of collaborate best using ah. text. So you're saying that before you have every project meeting, you start off by understanding one another's work style communication style that's something that we are piloting and we're trying okay, out okay that, that sounds really interesting um I, I want to ask at which point did you have um a or do you currently have a people and culture lead or uh, is this something is this a role or function that is uh, perhaps embedded within your role as a coo um, of overseeing operations or in Brian's role. Curious, how is this being set up? Because the SMEs out there will be asking themselves the same thing, right? So because we started as a five-man company, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. No surprise, you are talking to the person who did payroll <laughs> at the start yes. and continues to do and work on people and cultural matters. Okay, so it's all, it's, it's totally, <laughs> yes. so it's, it's a lot of, of it is your efforts in trying to build the culture of the business. I would say it's a team effort. Yeah, It, re <laughs> it, it revolves around people wanting um, a safe, a collaborative culture mm. and that's not driven by me. Yeah, And so I think what culture does is that it puts people on the same track of recognizing that we are all on this common purpose mm. of building great workplaces mm. that are doing good. Like what you said at the start of mm. your introduction, work has the power to transform society. Mm. And I see a workplace as part of society. Mm. And when we are all able to transform each other, not by just deriving business outcomes, not just by creating impact in healthcare, mm. but enriching our lives mm. and teaching each other different things. I think that's where really we are unlocking and talking about transforming society. Yeah, that's really so powerful. You know, as you pursue growth, right, the reality is that it's so easy for operational challenges. It's so easy for other more important priorities come and distract us. How do you continually maintain um, your focus on workplace culture for it to be top priority and for it to be uh, the focus on people and the culture that you want to build? How do you maintain that as priority even as you scale and grow, not just within Singapore but across the markets? You're right. It's tough. Yeah. It's easy to feel that we need to catch up to the next business need. Yeah. Um, so that's when we always um, talk about it at our management meetings mm -hmm. about our start mm -hmm. and what really were the areas and the drivers for success for us yeah. and reminding ourselves all the way to the top 
um, through stakeholder buy-in and stakeholder dialogue, yeah. that people and culture is one of the key strategies mm. to unlock mm. um, our business goals. So I'm hearing for you that uh, this belief and this importance you place on culture uh, is a value that's held not just by yourself, uh, but it's something that's shared by all your key leaders in the business. Exactly. It's our shared vision and, and sense of purpose that drives that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have to always be the case that your company's mission is about a business purpose. Mm. So in White Coat's case, of course, it's about um, being the first touch point of all our healthcare needs. But it could simultaneous, and no one said it, it couldn't, be about creating great workplaces that impact society in a different way. And I think by embodying that as our fundamental purpose, no different from our business objectives, yeah. um, it creates equal weightage. And That's therefore, so we see it as symbiotic yeah. rather than um, a contrasting um, business purpose that takes us in a different I direction. Wish more leaders think like you and, and articulate in such a convincing and convicted manner like you. And I'm just curious, Clara, so how does White Coat quantify your efforts? How do you quantify whether in a tangible way or intangible way, um, whether your pride, your efforts and your investment in culture uh, is successful? So I think this is where it's always challenging for HR practitioners and business leaders. I think you really raised the important point when you think about an example of, let's say, an employee engagement luncheon. How do you actually measure an ROI on that? Um, it's an important question. Um, what I think are some of the strategies that we have implemented is employee feedback and surveys um, are a good way of quantifying our workplace culture in a tangible manner. And that's where we are very grateful through the Great Place to Work team, which has provided us with a third-party platform and service to objectively measure employee satisfaction. So our efforts were actually, as you mentioned, tangibly rewarded by Great Place to Work when we were awarded as one of the best places to work in. But essentially, when we look at the survey results, um, the areas where we can improve on are the areas where we will see whether or not it's related to employee retention. Mm. And if we see people as part of our key area of growth, then employee retention will be one of the areas that we also measure. Mm. So I'm hearing that um, as part of a process uh, of building people and culture, you have been very intentional in listening to the people, getting data on how the people are experiencing the workplace, doing surveys, but not just doing surveys, but studying the results, knowing where your strengths are, where the gaps are, and then taking very active, clear steps to close those gaps. Absolutely. So I think for an SME or a company that is growing so quickly, yeah. it's hard to find the right HR resources that mm. is able to lead you in this process. There's going to be a lot of knowledge acquisition, but also a lot of interpretation of the results. So I thought what was very useful in that process for me when we did this exercise last year was that um, Great Place to Work literally sent us a professional mm. that interpreted the results for us. So one of the things that we took on board then was that um, employee benefits um, are key and important to our people. 
And as a result of that, um, what we did was we implemented specific initiatives such as having free health screening services for our own employees. So as part of the healthcare industry, um, the irony is not lost on me that if we take care of other people, we've got to take care of our own people first. And that would naturally um, result in people understanding our mission and um, employee retention results as well. So what we did was that we packaged a consultation with a medical professional after the health screening results to do their review so that any um, health ailments can be managed in a timely fashion. And what we did as a result also was that um, we recognized that our staff also cared about a collective community. Mm. So we also allowed our staff to bring their family um, to our office to allow us, um, our staff to understand, um, of their, their family to understand how what exactly is the work that they're doing. So getting family buy-in and um, letting the family try some of our services as well, like That's the health so screening. Yeah, so um, well, last year it was reported in 2022 that White Coat, you completed more than 400,000 consultations and medication deliveries. That's amazing. You work with a network of over a 1,000 health and wellness providers comprising GPs, specialists, allied healthcare professionals and pharmacies. Now, with such a diverse group of stakeholders, not forgetting the fact that you have over 100 staff across different countries and markets, how do you prioritise and work on building an inclusive workforce? when your stakeholders are so diverse across markets, across ethnicities, generations. How do you prioritise it? How do you work on building inclusiveness? So I think the first thing first is to recognise the motivation of why it's important to build a diverse and inclusive workplace. Mm. I think it's important because it's, it, it's essential to fostering a positive workplace culture and driving our success. I mean, just taking as an example... We are driving a service, a healthcare service for our users, having perspectives from our staff who come from different work experiences, social identities, cultural identities, um, are really about having all these perspectives reflected in the workplace and then in relation to our user experiences. So I think for us, creating or having a very strong sense of the why is first key. Now, having said that, um, some of the strategies that we have is, in the first place, hire for diversity, hire for inclusiveness. And what we do is that we typically want to ensure that when we hire, we are looking to eradicate some of the potential subconscious bias that we may have. Um, we would like every um, cohort of candidates um, that we have to have good amount of representation from different work experiences, um, like I've mentioned earlier, work experiences, social identities, cultural identities. So it's to then say to ourselves, hey, if let's say each cohort doesn't have that mix of mm -hmm. candidates that we want, should we be re-looking and searching uh, in a different way? Okay. I think it starts with that. That's so good to know. So there's very deliberate efforts. And these are strategies that we know the larger MNCs that they do 
so it's really good to know that um, even for younger SMEs that you are very deliberate to ensure that your source, your talent source, talent pool is diverse. Definitely. It's key for us to do so because it helps to create open dialogue and collaborative decision making. And we really want um, everyone's voices to be heard and embrace diverse perspectives. And we see it as an opportunity to grow. Mm. I think to me, the best answers for healthcare um, can only be derived if we have people who feel um, safe coming to the table and offering their own unique perspectives and only through that dialogue, we are going to have a better chance at finding um, the best answers to some of the most um, challenging problems that are facing our healthcare system. Mm, okay, that's good. Um, well, so as a company, as White Coat, and I know you have got bold ambition, a bold vision, which is really encouraging. As you are looking to move beyond local and to expand to the regional areas, what role does leadership play in shaping and maintaining the workplace culture at White Coat? I think it plays a huge role. Um, I think at the end of the day, everyone wants a leader that aligns with your own personal values. And what are these values that we're talking about? It's about a sense of trust and support for people in the workplace. Diversity and inclusion is, of course, some of the values that we hold closely to our hearts. But when we see leaders not acting um, in a way that reflect some of these values, yeah. that is when people will naturally not feel motivated as such. Yeah. So I think what we're really looking at is by believing and leading by example, we are going to help align a whole generation of employees um, be, um, be closer to our mission. And that's when um, I can say that uh, when leaders take a key um, role in leading by example, by being active champions of these values, um, that's when we can actually embed this as part of our wider company culture. How do you practically ensure that there is alignment between the values of these leaders down the line? the desired culture. Give us some practical steps that you're doing because I am really thinking of our listeners out there who are growing their business. Um, the HR leaders, the CEO might be very well-intentioned, but the challenge is always as you grow, there are leaders down the line and they may not always carry your, your heart or your DNA and they want to know, how do you do it? So I feel this is actually a, a problem that um, every company, yeah. whether big or small, will eventually yes. come towards. Um, and it's about taking a hard look at um, what exactly, um, first and foremost, getting the buy-in from leadership to, to look at this as a serious task. Now, having done that, I think um, as the company grows, um, it's important to therefore show that uh, and champion your values in a more open way. I think this can um, usually be done in a form of consistent communication. Mm -hmm. um, when the team grows, that's when leaders need to even um, come to the forefront even more okay. um, in the form of town halls. Okay. Have um, your company values stated very clearly on what you hope for to achieve every single quarter. Okay. Um, show and demonstrate or highlight people amongst our and our midst with stories um, in the workplace that demonstrate these values. Mm. I think it's also important um, as a company grows to align on a very set return, um, how I would call it, team charter almost, mm. yeah. that reflects how these values um, look 
not just on paper, but in actions. So I give you quite a, a simple example. Everyone loves to talk about uh, teamwork, but the way I interpret teamwork may be totally. very different from the way yeah. you interpret teamwork. But what um, I recognize is that values are values and people don't understand these values unless it's translated into our words, our deeds and our actions. So after the companies set out some of these key values, I think one of the, one of the things that we can do to ensure that it is it resonates with all our staff is to have them being championed um, frequently at town halls. Um, when we have town halls across all our countries, it's always the same town hall so that people get a chance to see that there's the same message um, that's shared across people of different um, ethnicities, of different countries. I think it's a unifying factor that people... Um, um, rally around common values that go way past um, beyond our our superficial um, yeah. differences. Secondly, I think another way that we've gone about doing it is to help people understand what these values mean for them. So I give you an example. Teamwork is a value, but the way I value teamwork or I see teamwork may be very different from the way you, Evelyn, see it. Um, in the case of um, the operational colleagues that I work with, they could see teamwork as really spending Leaving their time at the computer. I do my own work. <laughs> exactly. So I think it's about having workshops around um, different um, teams across different functions. And that's when paying attention to the middle managers is actually important. Asking them, how do they interpret teamwork? So if teamwork is a value, I demonstrate teamwork by being punctual for meetings. And when people agree on a set um, behavior that's when we are able to appreciate and show each other that we mean for our values to come to life. That's great. So to clarify, the way I hear you say is that that focus on bringing the desired culture to life is not a one-off effort. Neither is it a flavor of the month or a program that you focus on for two months of the year. The way I hear you talk about it is that this whole focus on values bring the culture to life, ensuring alignment between leadership behavior and values is something that you do on a, I won't even say regular basis, it's an it's a everyday thing. You are very intentional and deliberate around that. I think we have to be, in especially as a company grows. People always say there are stages of which team grows. At the forming stage, everyone is so rallied around making magic happen, making a product like White Coat, who did not exist five years ago, um, happen. But when we move into a bigger environment and we are starting to form, that's when we see um, people... Um, having misunderstandings. And it's part, it's natural. The storming Sin stage. It's the storming stage. That's you know right. it better than I do. Um, the reason why is we're bringing in people at a pace that's so much faster. And the great thing, or I mean, it's pros and cons to bringing people of diverse backgrounds. Diverse backgrounds usually mean diverse perspectives being harnessed only if you know how, how to, to harness it. But we <laughs> often have um, diverse backgrounds presented 
as though it's friction. And I can see why. On a superficial basis, if people don't know how to communicate or understand our differences, we will never be able to harness it. It will forever be at a stage of having misunderstandings. But therefore, in such a situation, it's important to allow people to see that their perspectives are respected and bring them to the table to decide how me having a different perspective to things can interpret and provide my own spin on what a value, a common value look like. Mm. I think that's important because it's hard for people to understand um, how they should interact with each other when there isn't a common way that we can hold everyone accountable by. And it's very important to get the buy-in, not just from leadership, but from every um, spectrum of our employee population if we truly are serious about living our values on every single level. That's great. You know, Clara, we spoke at length around what you have done and how you have done it for your organisation. Um, I want to ask you on you right now, right, your role. You are obviously key and instrumental to um, shaping the white coat culture. You, you alluded earlier on to how you spent countless nights thinking about how to make it work. How do you how do you shape the culture? How has the process been building culture? Is it easy? Is is it easy work? Um, because how, is it something that if you do A, you get B? You know, share share your own personal experience with us. To be honest, I think every stage requires its own um, different types of strategies. Mm. So I think the strategies, the people strategies that worked for us then worked great for us. But I think most importantly, it's to recognize that a startup like ours is constantly in a state of flux. And to recognize and honor that those strategies worked for us then but to quickly pick up ourselves and say, okay, what's next? And that gets me excited. Mm. So I don't think I would do things differently. Um, I think um, we've done that incredibly successfully. The question is, how then do we continue to succeed in this journey Mm. that is going to be long, but very rewarding? Um, When it comes to the success of a startup, I would say... um, you're probably not going to get your your answer right on your first try. That's mm. okay. Mm. Um, be willing to explore and pivot to find your market fit. But more importantly, the why again. Have a good team. Have a good culture because good people will drive your outcomes for you. Good people will be willing to adapt and sink in you know, their heart and their soul and all their time to figure out how do you make something that does not happen as to, uh, as of today, a reality. Mm, thank you so much, Clara. I learned so much. And um, my biggest takeaway today is two things. To do good work, meaningful work, which will be challenging, have a why that drives you, invest in people and culture because that good team will bring that why into reality. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time today, Clara. My pleasure. And thank you, um, Evelyn, for having me on the podcast. It's been a great um, chat and I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. This podcast is brought to you by Great Place to Work ASEAN, Australia and New Zealand. Your partner in transforming workplaces through our unique culture and certification program. We foster a future of work that's inclusive and fulfilling, inspiring organisations to build a culture of trust collaboration and engagement.
Do tune in to our next episode and stay connected with us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Let's shape a truly great workplace together.